Now, which historical figure can teach us the most about what it truly takes to love people well? Let's find out. Welcome or welcome back to the Hymn Floors of Podcast. Thank you for making time to join me here. If this is your first time, my name is Marcos and I am a Christ follower. And I know you're probably doing something right now, trying to get dinner ready for the kids, for the family. You're uh, out for a walk, out for a jog, commuting home. And I just want to get right into it so I don't waste your time. But just so you know, this is a podcast created to equip and empower Christ followers with this one truth. The Jesus who died to live in us also died so he could be shared by us. And I want to get into it right now. And I once heard a comment made seasoned with a little bit of sarcasm. And it was in regard to something that we saw happening in the street. And um, However, although the comment was made with sarcasm, a part of it was a little bit true. And the person said, who would purchase a Corvette only to drive it 15 miles per hour? The person was insinuating that that a Corvette was initially created as a race car and not treating it as such was diminishing what it was intended for. Now, if you happen to own a Corvette, don't go out and try to drive so fast you drive into the future and blame me when you get pulled over because it's not going to work. But but back to the comment, It, it makes a little bit of sense when we only use part of what something is intended for, we often miss out on the fullness of that thing. Now, the chapter of life I'm living right now, I'm finding this concept to be true and more true about the word of God. There are often times I hear part of scripture being used. And while any and every part of scripture is effective, I'm finding that using more of the text and using it in the right context helps you understand it more and take it in more and you'll be able to live it out more because you understand more of it. And you ultimately, you get to experience it in fullness. One big example of this is John chapter 4, which is typically used in the worship setting down around verse 23, where Jesus tells the woman at the well that a time is coming when the worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. And that verse gets used in a worship context, which is great. But the chapter isn't totally about worship. The chapter is about winning souls and going out and doing what God has called us to do. Or Mark chapter 2, where uh, the four gentlemen lower the guy down to get his healing and the focus is always on the the four guys and every time i've heard that sermon i've heard about the four guys and that passage really isn't about the four guys it's about jesus proclaiming who he is and displaying who he is but portions of scripture when they are used it's like driving that corvette at 15 miles an hour sure it's decent but if you were to read the whole thing and fall in love with the entire text to get a deeper context and a deeper understanding. The most recent interaction with this realization came from checking out 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is very, very well known. And starting at verse one, I'll read it here. It says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. 
Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no records of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It is always hopeful and it endures through every circumstance. Now, in many instances, this passage of scripture is relegated to one thing for the most part. And I know that you know that I know that you know that I know that you know what I'm talking about. This passage of scripture is considered the wedding chapter, which is interesting because it's more accurately called the love chapter. Now, what I do know about the Bible is that the Bible wasn't originally created with chapters and verses. Chapters and verses were put there to help us navigate through the Bible right now, but chapters and verses didn't exist for the most part. So when we look at passages of scripture, while different things are broken up more often than not, they're probably a single instance. Now, when we look at 1 Corinthians 13 in the beginning by itself, yes, it can be used in a wedding situation to show the different facets of love and what love is. When you add it to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is really talking to the Corinthians about different things in, in, in worship and spiritual gifts. And in 1 Corinthians 12, he's talking about having one body with many parts and we were all created to do different things. And he goes through all these things and he's talking about some are apostles, some are prophets, some are teachers, some do miracles. And he's saying that we need to use all our gifts together. Now, the last two verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 connect very perfectly to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 30, it says, Do we all have gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret our own languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best to all. And it's from there where he jumps into the love. So it shows that 1 Corinthians 13 is not only about a wedding. Now, while it's perfectly acceptable to use that portion of scripture at a wedding, totally fine. There is a larger and a more broad concept that Paul was trying to help explain through the chapters of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and even into 14. It's sort of like you can use a spatula to cut a cake, and that's totally acceptable. But we can't lose sight of the real responsibility of a spatula. And this is where I want to tell you and talk about the most well-known person in history. Now, don't fact check me. I'm assuming this right now, but I'm sure that 99% of all adults know about this person in history. As a matter of fact, I even go a little deeper and say that we all have this person's life story memorized. And if you think I'm lying, check this out. Here goes uh, the full account of this individual's life right now. And as soon as I begin to talk about this person, you're gonna know exactly uh, who it is. You're gonna understand this story and you're gonna know the story uh, right, right away. So here goes. <clears throat> Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men, you finish it, couldn't put Humpty back together again. Exactly. So now, why the wall? I don't know, bro. Why are the horses trying to put it together? I do not even understand that. And all of that is not important right now. Um, we can have a theological debate on why the horses were involved later on, but for right now, it's not important. 
What is important is this. So I was attending a church service once where uh, a pastor, Carlos Feliciano, said something that changed the weight of this story forever for me. He added one sentence to this to make me think. So let me tell you Humpty Dumpty's story again and add in that sentence to see if it helps you understand. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. And here goes that added sentence. If Humpty Dumpty would have picked the side, Humpty Dumpty would still be alive. I love how the one sentence addition to the life of Humpty Dumpty highlights one powerful premise. Our decisions matter. Looking back at Paul's letter to the Corinthians, Paul tells us that love never gives up. Love never loses faith, which means as people with the godly influence, we must never give up on loving. We have to decide daily to love. We have to decide daily to abandon our positions for the issue of love. And not just the issue of love, we can never give up on loving the way Christ calls us to love. I reference John chapter 4. In that story, Jesus loves the woman at the well. And he held to his conviction and he showed her grace and truth by engaging with her, talking to her, getting to know her, and then speaking truth into her life. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus addresses the man on the mat by dealing with his sin first and then addressing his physical need. In that same interaction, Jesus dealt with the heart of the Pharisees by calling out the thing they tried to hide in their heart. All of these interactions were based on the decision Jesus pre-made to love people and love them well. We as Christ followers have a call to love others well. We can never give up. We can never lose faith. A person may not look like us. We must never give up. A person may not think like us. We must never give up. A person may not vote like us. We must never give up. A person may even hate us. We must never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Always choose to never give up. Never give up on loving the way Jesus Christ calls us to love. Now, that does not mean you cannot stand on your convictions as you love because you can. The big challenge is some people like to love from their preferences. But convictions are built on love. But our positions are backed by our preference. Today, I want to encourage you to never give up. Today, I want to encourage you to never lose faith. Today, I want to encourage you to stand on your convictions and love people the way Jesus Christ would want you to love. To not squander the influence that God has given you to influence someone for him. To show someone that you can love them exactly where they are and have an expectation for them to move closer to Jesus. I think about the story in Mark chapter 2 where everyone was crowded into the room because they wanted to be close to Jesus. And I think about the man who lowered the, the man on the mat down to Jesus because they weren't satisfied with just being close to Jesus. They, they knew they needed to get closer to Jesus. I want to encourage you today to not be satisfied with just being close to Jesus. I would love for you to have a desire to get closer to Jesus because as we get closer to Jesus, we'll be filled more with his love. And love is the greatest influence. As I always say, there are people who you know who are one conversation away from a brand new life in Jesus Christ 
who knows, maybe that conversation is actually with you. So thank you for spending this time with me. If you haven't already, connect with the podcast on social media. Stop by and join the conversation at the Hymn Podcast on Instagram. Remember, wherever you go, your influence matters. I look forward to being with you on the next episode. Until then, keep influencing for him. Thank you.